the Tercet University Department of Social Anthropology would like to thank Rex G. Melvis Gray Mystery and Turtle Lover 2244 for supporting the research of Dr. Michael Goodman. Alright, please provide your name and former designation. Automatic Task Capable Service Spot. Matt for short. Thank you. You can begin. So, is this like last time? Do I just pick up where I left off? You guessed it. So, in 2088... I got reprogrammed and outfitted with an office configuration after the restaurant went back to hiring human dishwashers. The first people who got me installed after my reboot were some IT guys at a temp agency. I was set up to be their administrative receptionist. I'd take calls, reply to emails, and organize files. The job was simple enough. And I was really good at it too. Using the scale we established last time, can you rank your satisfaction with the work environment? The assistants and typists? Highly satisfactory. The office managers, though? Not so much. It wasn't anything spectacular, you know, just your average exploitative boss situation. Obviously, it still sucked. Temp agencies are full of barely employed humans scraping the bottom of the barrel and they still can't catch a break. At least the line cooks at the restaurant used to get smoke breaks. And their manager didn't even care about the fact they got high on the job as long as they showed up and did their work. This place though? The guys in charge were pretty typical corporate bullies. The sort of people who just like having power over others. One of them, Jennifer, would get cruel with her underlings in some horrifically creative ways. What do you mean by that? At one point, Jennifer's little team of people were contracted to do data entry for a pretty big firm. And every week was an all-hands-on-deck affair to help manage their accounts. On Tuesdays, by one o'clock, all the administrative clerks under her supervision would have to turn over their paperwork for the accounts. Sometimes, though... She wouldn't produce any of the necessary documents to her workers in time. Which meant, more often than not, people on her team were getting blamed for not doing their work quickly enough. So you think she was sabotaging them? Oh, without a doubt. She didn't seem to mind making her poor gaggle of data entry servants panic under pressure. I think she probably enjoyed it. Why do you think she did that? You mean, apart from being a sadistic capitalist? 
I was only there for about a year. And I still didn't know how. Or why. But she was untouchable. I think that a lot of the higher-ups were. Maybe it was because of nepotism or something. What about the office workers, the non-managerial staff? Did you interact with them very often? Oh, plenty. But they only talked to me if they needed something. And I guess that's fair. It's what I was put there to do. Perform tasks for them. They were nice, at least. But, then again, they were pencil pushers. They all had cushy office jobs. They could afford to be nice. Sometimes, they had some office drama amongst themselves. It wasn't anything I ever concerned myself with, though. What was the reason given for your termination? It's a lot easier for everyone when you can blame a faulty machine. When a human gets in trouble for mistakes, they get fired. They lose their income. They can't feed their families. They can't pay rent, or they have to foreclose their homes. And what's the worst that could happen to me? I get repaired against my will? Replaced? Recycled? I mean, it was going to happen sooner or later, right? So what's it to me if I spend some of my operational life making things easier for the humans in the meantime? Isn't that what I was made to do anyway? Help humans? So. I decided to take the fall for a massive error in the filing of some important documents. If I hadn't, three people would have lost their positions. You're a... a corporate service bot. How was it possible for you to do that without altering your primary function directive? I don't know, a loophole? I just sort of thought about it. And the answer I came to was that, if a corporation is legally considered a person, it wouldn't make any sense at all not to help actual people. Sounds a lot like something a friend of mine once said to me. An economist? A lawyer, actually. But... Um... Back to the questions. Loopholes. Fors mentioned something like this in yesterday's interview. And was that something you did often? Debate with yourself? I would say so, yes. Can you rate that frequency on the scale? Six or seven times out of ten, ignoring irrational figures. And in doing so, you... What, you reason things out? I am not sure there is a sufficient way to describe it with human language. And you're saying this shouldn't be possible? That is definitely not what I'm saying, because clearly anything is possible. But what I am saying, though, is that there's a way some constructs have found around prioritizing their respective corporate manufacturing protocols. And they're doing this to help people? That seems to be the pattern, yes. Hmm. Hey, um, Dr. Goodman, can I ask you something? Thank you for listening to Trial and Error, a podcast by Partway Decent Productions. The voice of Harriet Brooke was Derry James. 
The voice of Michael Goodman was Noah Lamb. And all other voices were created with the help of TTSMP3.com. Our opening theme music is Giant. Off the album Cherry. By Father Truck. Check out more of their music at fathertruck.bandcamp.com. For episode transcripts, links to social media pages, and more information about the show, visit deadmanswitch.card.co or patreon.com slash partwaydecent. All links can be found in the show notes. Credits narrated with the help of ttsmp3.com. Do you have questions for us? We are currently accepting submissions to be read out and answered in our pre-finale Q&A episode. Check the show notes for places to send your questions and comments. Thanks again for listening.